All right, so Halloween just passed, right? It's uh, the 1st of November. and uh, But for today's episode, I'm going to do something really scary, like super duper scary. You ready? I'm going to do an entire episode without a script. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Economical Rice Podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and it is good to be back. Sorry, I haven't uploaded uh, in a while. But yeah, so <laughs> like I said in that short introduction, today I am going to do this just freestyle, no script, nothing right in front of me. I am nervous as hell, but I feel like uh, for what we're going to be talking about today, I think I should be as try to be as authentic as possible, and I th- and I feel like this is the best way to do it. Right. So um, some of you guys out there know this already, but uh, recently I left my job. So you know, uh, for for the past few months on the Economical Rise podcast, I've been posting all these like cryptic, uh, vague messages or, or or episodes rather with the message that's sort of like you know go out there and find your own thing, walk your own path. I talk about, you know, the Singapore dream, about meaning and purpose. And then, (laughs) of course, I had that one episode called The Leap, which (laughs) I I thought it was like a bit of a dead giveaway. But yeah, so I actually went and did it. Um, Today marks the one first full month after that leap. So I left my corporate job on the 1st of October. Now is the November the 1st. And today I'm going to be talking about that experience, what that one month has been like. And yeah, it's been it's been crazy. But yeah, so before that, I would just want to get to um, talking about what led to me leaving, why I left, and then we'll get into what I've been up to in this past one month and, you know, what I'm going to be up to uh, going on in the future. All right, so let's begin. Um, so if you've been listening on uh, for, for quite a while on the Economical Rise podcast, you would know that I have been working uh, as an auditor in Singapore with uh, KPMG. And in my experience, right, when I tell people that I'm an auditor, a lot of people will say that, oh, you know, you must work late a lot of the times. Oh, that job really sucks, you know. Uh, it's really stressful. People get burnt out all the time. I have friends who who have to do who have to work overtime almost every day. You know, go home at like uh, two, three a.m. every night. That kind of thing. So this is like the the stereotype about auditors that you that you typically hear about, right? And while I would say that some of that part is true, especially uh, as I've mentioned during that that peak period of uh, January to March. Um, that is not true for for everyone, and certainly in my case, I you know for for me, I didn't have to work until like three four a.m. every single day. Otherwise, I really would have wouldn't have any time uh, for podcasting at all, right? So it, it sort of comes and goes in phases, and uh, so that reason of uh, you know constantly being overworked or having overtime that re- didn't really contribute to the burnout. What really sort of did it to me um, towards the the middle of 2019, I would say, was sort of, I don't know, how do you put this? Sort of like you lost you lost sight of the the meaning and the purpose behind the job, or sort of like the the excitement that you had when you first joined it really died out. Yeah, because um, to me, 
in the middle of 2019 was when I really first realized that I was unhappy at that at that job when I was doing that job. And it was it was it primarily wasn't because of the late nights and stuff like that. Although although those those times were really bad and it was really difficult to get through, but I think primarily it was because I just didn't see the point of it anymore. And then every morning, you know, it would be uh, getting more and more difficult to convince myself to get out of bed and go to the office. And, you know, I was starting to see this in a lot of people as well, especially some of my batchmates who had uh, joined with me back in September 2017. Now two years into the job, you know, you could just see that there wasn't <laughs> as much interest in, 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 in doing the work as they did when they first joined. And I don't know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people face this at work, right? And um, But to me, right, that that realization or sort of some of the turning points uh, came, I think, maybe even late 2018 um, when work wasn't as busy. However, there was just, there was this one period, right? I was working on this client and then it wasn't a particularly uh, sort of time time strenuous or or, or time sensitive job. It, it wasn't like, you know, there was a rush job. I had to stay up late, that kind of thing. But it was more of like what I was, what I had to do. So, uh, as auditors, part of our work uh, consists of you know checking the compliance, making sure they do it correctly. And then I was doing this for one particular uh, client, and I will not name the client, of course. And then I think there was a, it was about a two to three week span, whereby I was alone in uh, in a room with no windows at the client's office. Right, and then what I had to do was I had to look through stacks and stacks and stacks of physical paper, where I had to check if they had done their compliance work properly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that really killed me, I think, because even on those nights when I had to work late and um, you know, you, you know, there was a lot of stress to try and get try and rush some report done, right? You still had to do that with uh, a bunch of colleagues. You were all in it together. You know, you were all suffering, but you were all suffering together. There was a bit of camaraderie there. And uh, yeah, so so even in those moments, you still had something to fall back on. But for this, even though the work wasn't really that difficult per se, but I don't know, it was just, I, I just found it so pointless. Like, <laughs> like so many times, every day, right? I step into the office, yeah, I go to the client's place, go into a room, start flipping through the papers. By lunchtime, I would just be like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> and then I just, I just was doing this for about three weeks straight. And that, that stretch really just sucked the life um, and all the joy and, and, and all the sort of motivation I had for, for, for doing audit anymore. And then I think from that period on, moving on into 2019, the early part of 2019, where it's really busy and really hectic, and then it's just, you know, it just, yeah, it just becomes like you're just going to work for the sake of work. You don't really see, I don't know, I just, the the, the thought of me just doing that for another 10, 20, you know, 30 years, it was just depressing, to be frank. Because, I mean, seriously, like, those were some of the worst times I've had at KPMG just because, you know, even though I still had my, a really good group of friends, you know, I still got along with them very well. We still had a lot of fun together. But it was just that the work, I just didn't see anything in it at 
all. And I know I'm not the only one. A lot of my friends have this same sort of experience as well. And it's really, I don't know, I just find it really sad because when we first join, and I guess a little bit of it is due to naivety, uh, uh, being too naive, right? When you first join, you think that you're going to have this fun, exciting career. You think you're going to make a, such a big change, right? You know, you, you think you're going to work with all these really big, res- reputable clients. You're going to meet all these uh, uh, important people and you're going to learn so many new things. And, <laughs> and then you get thrown into a room for three weeks looking through stacks of paper for... <laughs> <laughs> for mistakes and it's just like what am I even doing so yeah in the middle of 2019 was when I I really decided or I fully thought that yeah this is not for me I don't want to continue doing this for another 20 30 40 years or whatever this is just terrible right um, but the thing was was that I didn't know what else to do because um you know, I'm sure a lot of people who grew up in Singapore, they have the same sort of track as well, right? Is that, you know, you get told when you're when you're a kid growing up, going through school, is that you have to study hard, do well in school so that you can go on to have like a secure job and then you have to raise a family, buy a home, yada, yada, yada. Then you have a steady, successful life. You know, so for, for, major- for the majority of my life, uh, even up till, I don't know, probably late last year or even uh, towards the middle of this year, I was pretty much that same way as well. I, I I didn't really, I didn't really think that there was any other way. And uh, so when you're stuck in a job <laughs> that you know you already don't like, but that you but that you sort of, I don't know whether it's by influence or sort of you 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 have this sort of idea that I have to do it, you know, or that you wouldn't survive that that kind of mentality. That is just a really really rough place. It's just a really. That, that 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 just sucks, right? It's just it's a really depressive place to be in because it's like it's like the feeling of being stuck, you know? And then um yeah, those were the towards the middle of 2019, it was really bad. And then it made going to work bad, it made just the daily grind even harder. You know, you just you just lose motivation uh, to do anything and then and then it was it just kept repeating in this cycle of you know it sucks to go to work you go to work you know you don't really enjoy work but you put yourself through it anyway and then when you get home you're too exhausted from work to do to really pursue anything else so you just i don't know do things like video game or or whatever just to kill the time so that you, it goes on to the next day and you continue work and it goes on and on and on and on and on again and then I don't even know if that the the salary would even excite you anymore because you know people would say that if you're in that position you're just working for the paycheck right but even even in that period it was like <laughs> I don't know <laughs> is this really worth it <laughs> Yeah so I was stuck in a rut and then so this is where um so I was going through a bit of a rut in the middle of this year. And this is where my wife steps in. This is where uh, this social enterprise happiness initiative steps in. And then this is where things sort of have a change. And and where this is where things sort of, uh, this is a sort of turning point for me, right? And so uh, my wife, she has been doing her PhD in the States for all this while. Uh, In Madison, she's doing a PhD in nursing. And then in 2019, in August, uh, is when she would graduate from her PhD, right? So 
for the better part of uh, this year and even late last year, she has been working hard, you know, trying to finish her dissertation, but at the same but at the same time, trying to find work and then getting in touch, going to conferences, meeting all these professors from different universities. Basically, what what ideally what she wants to to do is that she wants to get a postdoctorate at a university where where you get paid, where it's a full-time job, you get paid, but you also get to continue doing research and you, you teach at the same time. And then you you kind of work, you kind of continue on that academia track. And then after you become, you with the goal of uh, getting tenure and then becoming like a full-time professor with like a steady paycheck, you know, and then it's pretty much smooth sailing from there, right? Yeah, so that was the ambition. And um, Effie was, uh, so my wife is, uh, her name is Effie, right? So Effie was, uh, was going through this this period of of the dissertation and then trying to find a job and then in March of 2019 March of this year uh, she came to Singapore to visit me on her on her spring break holiday right and then uh, but then on one of the days she thought you know what she wanted to do something interesting because she's been to Singapore I think a couple of times before that so she's seen all like the tourist attractions and everything so she wanted to try something and something special something different right so then, you know, I thought, yeah, this would be a pretty fun idea. I mean, I'm not the kind to uh, go to various events and why not, but with my wife in town, I thought it'd be a pretty good opportunity. And so, yeah, I opened up PTIX, scrolled through the events, and then we chanced upon uh, this film screening, right? And it was it was for something called the Happiness Film Festival. And this is and this was a, a film festival hosted by the social enterprise called, called Happiness Initiative. So remember this for now. This they, they will be they will feature later on in the story. But yeah, we went on to see the movie. It was uh, this movie called Survival Family about this uh, Japanese family, and uh, the story is basically that what 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 will happen if technology all technology suddenly didn't work, and. Yeah, so they go through this entire journey and then basically they sort of come to realize that, oh, we have to value these uh, interpersonal relationships, you know, you know, basically trying to trying to make the point that technology uh, is doing something bad and we have to value our, our relationships and our family and so on. So it's a pretty nice, pretty nice movie, uh, kind of melodramatic, but still, you know. Uh, but the thing was, the one, the biggest takeaway I had from, from going to that film screening wasn't actually about the movie, but it was about happiness initiative because uh, before before they started the film, they went on stage. They 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 briefly talked about who they were, you know, what they did, and then they 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 sort of told everyone that you know this entire film festival and this this film screening was just the two of them who had organized the whole thing. So the, so then I was there sitting in the audience, right? I didn't I didn't know who they were. I just know they they set up this film festival thing. So I thought it was freaking insane because because the film festival was like I think it was about a week. It was like I think 6 to 8 movies. A thousand plus people attended. They fully screw, they, they 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 fully sold out all their screenings. And then they had like, you know, over 30 organizational partners, all these 20 plus uh feature guests. And then yeah, it was mad. It was just the two of them doing the whole thing. It was just insane. And I, I was like, how the hell did, did these two people uh, manage to put up this entire film festival by themselves, you know? Um, yeah, so so that was the biggest takeaway I had from going to that film screening. And then 
I figured, you know, because I was still doing uh, the Economical Rice podcast, I was, I was still actively doing Economical Rice podcast at the time, why not do an interview with them and tell their story? Because I thought they would have a lot of things to share from the experiences they had, right? And that, led, and that in turn became the episode um, in the pursuit of happiness, which I think to this day remains to be one of the, the my, my proudest episodes. I think that's one of the episodes that I'm um, most, that I'm most happy with. Not only because I thought the, the episode sounded great, but because of the fact that after I published the episode, so then I sent a couple of follow-up emails to the two co-founders, Simon and Sherman, sort of to, to thank them and then to sort of give them links to the show as well. So then they replied me, I think like a week and a half later, and then they, they just said that, oh, hey, I checked, I listened to this episode. And then like, I was like just blown away by the episode. And I was just, I was just so you know, <laughs> it was just like incredible. It's just an incredible feeling to have, right? Because I think it was Simon who said that he didn't really know what podcasts were. So when we did an interview, he thought it was just going to be like me putting out the, you know, the raw interview footage for like an hour of like unedited footage. He thought it was just going to be that, right? But then of course, the, the the way I do it is with like all the narratives and with like the music and, and, and everything. And then he said he was blown away. Then, you know, uh, he encouraged me to keep doing what I was doing. And then same with uh, Sherman as well, you know. So that was really, that was an amazing feeling to have, uh, was that, you know, to be able to manage to convert people to podcasts and to have people acknowledge the work that you do, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so so I'll continue with them later. But back to Effie, right? So we watched the movie and, and, and during her spring break here, um, she had also applied to some jobs uh, here in Singapore because, you know, why not? She was in town at the time. And so she, she, she submitted her resume to a few places. You know, we were kind of hoping that they would get back because the plan for us was that after she graduated, she would come back to Singapore and then we would continue working and, and we would uh, continue working and living in Singapore, right? But then in April, <laughs> so this is another big turning point, right? In April of 2019, okay, uh, I think it was one fine Saturday morning at about 9 a.m., uh, Effie suddenly gives me a call, right? Like a Facebook Messenger video call kind of thing, okay? So I pick up, I'm groggy, and then <laughs> the first thing which she said was that, oh my God, oh my God, I just got accepted into John Hopkins. And then I was like, What? <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I, yeah, because I, I don't know if some of you, is, uh, I don't know if uh, you guys know or not, but John Hopkins is one of the uh, most reputable research universities in the world. It is located in the United States. And then so I was like, both of us were like just freaking out for like the first first five minutes. I was like, oh my God, can't believe you actually uh, got accepted because she just told me that she just uh, submitted her resume on a whim just on like a you know just I'll just submit this I'm not really expecting anything to, to hear back from them but then in March you know she says that she got accepted she got an offer and then I was like wow that is insane you know this is going to be incredible right but then <laughs> after after about five or ten minutes uh, she suddenly says to me, right, like, uh, okay, uh, so when are you gonna go? When are you gonna find a job here? And then I was like, oh, right, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I hadn't even considered moving to the states or finding work in the states 
Because when when she was applying for work in Singapore, right,、uh, there was one opportunity that I thought she was going to be a shoe in for. So I thought she was definitely going to come back here. So and then we were already talking and discussing what we we're going to do when she when she moves over. So I wasn't really considering it. But when she told me that news, and then she asked me when am I going to move over, I was like, yeah, I was I was、uh, in in a bit of a shock,、uh, a little bit. I was super hesitant, of course, because. You know, moving to the states and finding work in the states is 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 obviously a really really huge deal, right? And then yeah, so for the next fifteen to twenty minutes, we just I don't know, I don't know we got a little, we got into a little bit of of a quarrel because I was like because I I think I was in in kind of like a little bit of、uh, I was just really disappointed that、uh, she wasn't going to be coming here because I I I I was so excited that she was going to come, but she. But now with with John Hopkins, she obviously wasn't gonna come. So then,、um, yeah. So we argued, and then you know we we said that okay, you know, give it give it a few more days thought, and then we'll see how it goes, right? And then yeah. So for the next two or three days,、uh, this was the only thing on my mind, going to work and and whatnot. So I was like thinking, you know, am I really gonna move to the states and find work in the states? And and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, right? One of the reasons why I was really hesitant about、uh, moving to the states and finding work in the states was because that number one, I had previously studied in the states, so I, I tried applying for a bunch of different、uh, positions. I got I got through a few interviews, but then it, it was just rejection after rejection, and then or no replies. And then even when I got through to the final round, it, the, the the big issue was always about the work visa and whether they would be willing to sponsor me or not, and so. And so, before even looking for any jobs in the United States, I already knew that it was going to be like a giant hassle, just even finding work there, right? Like applying, like like going through the interviews. Even even if I had a couple of years of work experience with me, going through all the interviews was going to be a big hassle, right? Getting that offer was going to be a big hassle already. And then after that, getting them to sponsor you a work visa that is go- also going to be another big hassle. And then the worst thing, right, was that because of because of my experience, I most probably would have to apply for a job related to auditing, and so it was like I have to go through hurdles and hurdles and hurdles upon hurdles, right, for a job that I really don't like and that I really don't foresee myself doing、uh, in the future. So I was super super hesitant. And then the thing was that、um, you know what if what if Effie moves again? What if she gets a, a different offer after her stint at John Hopkins, right? And then then we have to move. Then I would have I would have to go through that process again and again and again. And it was just like this is not the life I want to lead, man. No, this is just I'm not I'm not doing this, right? So I don't know, man. It was it was sort of a roadblock kind of situation. But then I kind of had this thought, right? After doing the episode of Happiness Initiative, and then after receiving that sort of validation from them and encouragement from them, I sort of had this thought: Could I maybe venture into podcasting and try doing that as like a full time business, or even like, or even like freelancing? You know, in terms of like on, on a production side, maybe I help people. To set up their podcast instead of doing my own podcast, because I've been doing I've been doing the Economical Rice podcast for two years. You know, the the listener numbers are nowhere near enough to be able to to get sponsorship to to support、uh, to 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 get me by. But then, if I could 
do, but if I could help other people produce their shows and then maybe I get paid for the production work rather than just through advertising, then maybe that, that could be another avenue, right? So I was thinking, I was wondering if this was viable because I've been working on it for two years now. I, I sort of know the ropes. I've sort of, I've made all the mistakes and that my value proposition would probably be something along the lines of, you know, uh, if you want, you want to start a podcast, you know, you could go through the ropes. You could, you could do it by yourself as well. But if you want to avoid all the mistakes, if you feel like you, you, you're not ready to commit all those hours and you would rather someone else, uh, commit all those hours to, to do all the backend work for you, then yeah, I, I will be the one to do that. Yeah. And so I was asking around, um, some of the people in the local podcasting industry. And then I had a conversation with uh, one of the guys there, this guy named Ken Delbridge. So he used to be this um, producer, sound designer, you know, he, he's, a, he's an award-winning sound designer uh, and, and mixer. He used to work for MTV. He used to uh, do sound for like documentaries and stuff, but now he has his own studio. And then, so I, I thought he would be a, a pretty good person to to talk to regarding uh, sort of regarding sort of the, the production side of, of things, right? Audio production and, and whatnot and, and how he does it as a business. And so I just randomly shot him a, a Facebook message out of the blue saying, you know, you know, I'm really interested in what you do. Could we have, could we do like a Skype call? I really want to to learn more about the business side of podcasting. And then he calls me and then he basically just tells me that actually he's been doing this for a number of clients already. And then he says that, yeah, there is a potential market here in Singapore yeah, and so after that call with Ken, that sort of gave me the the confidence I, I, I think I needed to take that idea more seriously. The idea of like, oh, maybe I can be a, a producer instead of doing my own, just my own show. I could help other people produce their shows and then uh, I get paid for that, right? And then after a couple of days, I ran that idea past, past Effie and thankfully she was really, really supportive. I mean... um, you know, we, 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 we really had a good discussion about it. You know, we, we understood that this was going to be a big risk. We, we knew that going in, uh, maybe the first few months were going, going to be a bit rough, but then, you know, that this was going to be a really good opportunity to sort of create something new, create something ourselves, have more control uh, over our own lives, that, that sort of thing. And yeah, um, so with that support, I sort of, sort of got things in motion, but then, the next step, of course, was that how do I transition out of KPMG, right? Because even though even though uh, FE was supportive, it wasn't it wasn't like I could just leave my job immediately, right? It was like uh, it was like about April or May that period, right? I couldn't just leave my job uh, because I didn't have like a concrete plan or, or or like any idea of what to do or how to go about doing it yet. Right, I didn't have any proof. I didn't have any uh, anyone any testimonials. I, I I couldn't just go to someone and say, "Hey, I'll, you know, hey, I'll help you do a podcast for you. You know, will you let me do a podcast for you?" Right. But then I thought about Happiness Initiative. They had this live series, right? So they're this social enterprise. They do they run events from time to time, and one of the events they run is this thing called Screwed Up Moments, which is basically a session a session whereby you know, three live speakers, uh, three speakers would go on, on stage live and then they would tell their stories for, and then they would tell something really screwed up that happened in their lives and, and how they overcame them. And so I sat in, I sat in, in like a couple of sessions. I thought they were absolutely fantastic in terms of like the stories, what they meant, and, and in terms of like the value that they had, right? And then the idea sort of first spawned then of like, what if, I turn this live session 
into a podcast. Because the thing was, with a live session, uh, there's a lot of constraints, right? Like, really, the only people that are, are going to be listening to them speak are going to be those in the audience because they weren't documenting uh, these talks or, 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 or these speakers anywhere online. And so it was always going to be just at, you know, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 people in the, in, in the audience listening to their stories, right? Whereas with a podcast, you put it up online, it could potentially reach hundreds or even thousands of people. So the reach, the potential reach of the of these of these guests and these stories could be, you know, multiplied by 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 so much just just by doing a podcast, right? And then at the same time for the speakers themselves, uh because they had a sort of time constraint to work with, like like 20 minute period to sort of get their story out, they couldn't go into much detail uh into their story uh, uh, as they as they probably would have liked, and then you would be missing out a lot of the key details that would sort of maybe maybe you'd be missing out things like a little bit of their background or or, or more detail about their actual screw up moments, or then more stuff or or even more stuff about how they turned their lives around or how they got over it or how they they found resilience and stuff like that, right? So you'll be missing out, I think, key elements of the story, and then yeah. So what it did was that I thought I thought that this was going to be a great idea, right? To turn that live se- the, to turn that live speaker series into a podcast, make it available and accessible online, and then to sort of and then and then the sort of value proposition to happiness initiative was that it would potentially increase their brand awareness and then uh, spread their message of what they do and so on, right? And so uh <laughs> I worked on like a pitch, a presentation. I did like I think I don't know, 15 page slides. Basically, I and then I went to one of the the screwed up moments series, uh, and then after the series, I spoke to one of the two co-founders of Happiness Initiative, Simon, and then I pitched to him this idea of like, what if you turn this into into a podcast, you know, and then all the all the potential benefits you might have from it, and then, <laughs> yeah, thankfully he he was. Excited, he was really happy about the idea. He loved it. He thought it was a great idea. So then we had a follow up meeting, uh, where where a full a full team meeting, sort of to discuss everything and then how it would work. And then yeah, we we agreed on it. They thought it was great. And then after that, after that, it was like from then point from that point forwards, that just gave me like it was it was suddenly like I had this that the fire was lit again, right? It was like suddenly I had this sort of encouragement and this sort of motivation and sort of excitement that I hadn't felt in like a really long time, uh, especially, you know, through work and, and so on. And then so in, I think in July to August of 2019, I used up all the leave, all my leave for the year. I think I, I booked out like three weeks straight. And then, yeah, we did all the recordings. We did all the planning, you know, I got all the creative assets done. I worked on like on like a trailer. I worked on like the the theme song. Um, I got I got like the episode artwork done. And then yeah, by the end of August, we we sort of had all the recordings done. And then I was working on the pilot episode. And then by the end of September, we were just about ready to launch. Yeah. Uh, but then of course at, at this period I was still at work, so. I figured that once once this project started, that this could be like a possible way out in terms of like me taking a leap. This would sort of be a really good sort of transition uh, to when I leave my job, right? And so, th- and so my plan 
was that I would leave KPMG uh, just about at the start of October. And that was when Screwed Up Moments, and that was when the Screwed Up Moments podcast would launch the, 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 the early October as well, right? And then throughout October, I will be working on that. And then there will be a, a sort of give me uh, some, some work to do instead of just me, you know, sitting, sitting around at home desperately looking for ideas, right? At least I'll be busy with something and then maybe this will spur me on to find, find new things and stuff like that, right? So in early September, I submitted my resignation, um, had a talk with some of my managers, had a talk with some of my friends, told my friends and all. And then on the 1st of October, I officially left KPMG. It was, it was really weird, um, I would say. Because even though I had already planned this out, I already knew I didn't want to do this. Still leaving something that you've been doing for like the past two years, it's not easy, man. <laughs> Um, you know, because of all, because of all the connections you have there. And I think because, I think, I think mainly it's because of like the comfort zone, right? Um, I think, I think a lot of people, even people who are unhappy at their jobs, I think they would still say that they are, they won't, they wouldn't leave because they're comfortable and because they know that it's stable. It gives them, it gives them reliable income. They won't necessarily, necessarily leave because of that, because it's just too much of a risk. They just want to play it safe, right? Uh, yeah, but then when it was time for me to leave, I think it was my last day, it was just, it just felt so, so weird and surreal. It was like, you know, I was going to be leaving something that I hadn't done for like, I, 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 leaving something that I've been doing for the past two years. And then, yeah, I don't know. It was just, yeah, really, really mixed feelings on that last day. And then uh, when I, when I, you know, when we did all the clearance, submitted all the documents, I returned my laptop, I returned uh, my monitor, returned my staff pass, returned the company phone, and then I said, I said all my goodbyes. And then it was just like, it was just like, I, I left the office, I think about, about three or four in the afternoon. Um, I was on my bus on the way back home. And then my bag felt so empty because I wasn't carrying around uh, all, all, all that work stuff, all the, the laptop and everything. And it was just like, I don't know, man. It just felt really, really, really weird, man. Yeah. And um, yeah, but then the thing was that Screwed Up Moments was going to launch, right? So we were gearing up for the launch. We organized like this, uh, we planned out like a sort of live launch event where we would have a sort of hybrid between the Screwed Up Moments uh, live, se live series, and then I would go on as like one of the speakers to talk about the podcast as well, right? So we scheduled that for October 2nd. Yeah, so, <laughs> so throughout the September, you know, as I was serving my one-month notice, um, I was also busy on the sides working on, on getting the pilot episode ready so that, so that on the 3rd of October, we would launch that first episode uh, so that we would be able to launch that first episode. So through, through September, we did like, I think two trailers out and then we, we, we did the promotion for like the live event and then, and then we would have it on October the 2nd, right? And then, yeah, so on the 1st, I left KPMG. I went home, but then I knew that, you know, we had to continue going. So uh, so I didn't really have time to process like like what what this really meant right because 
because I wake up the next morning and then I would be busy in overdrive preparing my sort of presentation uh, for, for the live event and what I was going to say and then how I was going to uh, tell people about the podcast and stuff like that. And then so on the second, um, because I'm not the kind of person to uh, to sort of work at home, I think, uh, you know, I, I tried working at home before I didn't find it really productive. And so I saw this uh, promotion on Facebook for like, they were doing like a free, a, a free two weeks at a co-working space. And so I went there with the intention of just um, trying out the co-working space, you know, see, see what it was like. And then uh, I, w- I would do it in my preparation there as well for the presentation. And then at night I would head on to, uh, for the event, right? But then <laughs> at the co-working space, I talked with, I think, the general manager and we talk about like what what my plans were, and then we discuss like uh, what what the co working space and what were its services, what it was like as well, what were their rates and all. And then the general manager she she suddenly says out of the blue, right? Like, hey, oh, but um, you know, speaking of, we are also a a a uh, corp sec, right? A corporate secretary, and 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 then uh, we can help you incorporate in if in the future you want to set up a business. And I'm like, really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, interesting. <laughs> and then she was like, yeah, yeah, we could do it like today if you wanted to. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then so I thought, because because the thing was that leading up to me leaving KPMG, right? One of the things that I thought I would be busy with throughout uh, my first month after I left was that I'll be busy trying to figure out how to set up a company and things. But then <laughs> I go to this co-working space and then this lady tells me that, hey, we can actually do it for you. We can actually get it done for you on the spot. So I was like, okay, yeah, sign me up, you know. <laughs> because like, even though there is a quite a substantial fee to to get it all set up and done, right? uh, set up and stuff, right? I don't want to be worried about all these kind of things, like like registration, filling out the forms or whatever. I just want to focus on the work and get it done because... Because this was the first, my first project starting out leaving. Uh, this is my first project after I leave KPMG. I want to make sure that it's done right. I want to focus my energy on that. I want to get it done right, right? And so basically what happened was that on the 1st of October, I leave KPMG. On the 2nd, I launched Screwed Up Moments. On the 3rd, the first episode of Screwed Up, Moment go- Screwed Up Moments goes live. And then on the 3rd as well, I... <laughs> registered my company podcast production company called fable productions and then yeah so i'm now a business owner <laughs> yeah it's it's bloody mad um so that's the story of 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 how i left kpmg it's been bloody insane and then yeah in terms of like what's what i've been up to for this one month after i've 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 left Basically, on a week-to-week basis, I've been busy trying to put out the episodes for Screwed Up Moments because we got all the recordings done, but then on an ongoing basis, I would still have to edit and then I would still have to, to write out the script, do all the, the other narration, record my narration, and then piece together like a, a, a finished episode, right? And then because because uh, these episodes, they are really polished, they have uh, you know a lot of musical interludes, they have these weaving interview uh, interview bits they take quite a bit of time to do. And so on an ongoing basis, that would take up quite a bit of time uh, each week. But then apart from that, it's just been really crazy because um, I thought I would be like super free after I left. (laughs) 
because I figured that it, it would it would take a lot of time for me to find new clients and 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 figure my way out as an entrepreneur and 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 learn the ropes and everything, right? I thought it was going to be a really rough stretch, right? Which is why uh, back to F back to F again. Sorry, sorry, this is a little bit over all over the place because you know I, I don't have a script or anything. But so my 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 plan was that right. Uh, after I left KPMG, I would give myself a month in Singapore to sort of work out the kinks with uh, Happiness Initiative, sort of uh, uh, plan out the plan out the full season, make sure that I at least get a few episodes out, make sure they're of good quality, and then and then uh, I can go to the states, be with Effie, and then I can work on the episodes from there, right? So then I agreed with Effie that hey, give me a month to to set up all these things, and then at the same time I could maybe go and find meet new people, go and network, find new clients, etc., 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 and then uh, early November I can go to the states, I can be with you, and then I can have something to continue working on, right? Because my my big fear uh, after after leaving the job and taking and with taking a leap was that I didn't want to leave and then not be doing anything because I think that would be just freaking terrible, right? Because that just shows that, um, because I think if you do that, it's just going to be the first few months of that would just be really, really, really rough. But then at the same time, I didn't have very, very high expectations as well, right? Because I thought, I thought that after you left, it was just going to be hustle, 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 grind, 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 and then it's going to be like really, really long stretches of like of like um, a lot of failures and a lot of mishaps, a lot of learning curves and stuff like that. But Really, what has happened in this first month, right? Was it, I, I don't know, it's just been, I've just been inundated with opportunities flying in left, right, center. It's just been really crazy. I mean, honestly, I, I, I did not expect this at all. I was suddenly getting emails and then I got like a, a referral contact from there. And then I, I started to get it, I, I started to uh, start doing some editing work from there, right? So that's another thing. And then there was this event that uh, Happiness Initiative held, and then uh, Sherman wanted me to go there and do some interviews that maybe they could use for like a future podcast that we could do. And then so I did there. I talked to like a bunch of people, and then I, I talked to this one one lady who's like, "Oh, you know, I I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a long for the longest time. Maybe we could work together." And then that's another opportunity right there, and that that's you know that's something that I'm working on uh, right now. I'm busy. I, I'm I'm really trying to get this started so that you know. Uh, I would have more work when I leave the States and then I could continue working on this moving forward. Yeah, and then there's just, just been, yeah, there's, there's just been, I don't know, about a handful of opportunities just out of the blue, just coming in, in, in and out, in and out, in and out. And it's just like, when I left, I, I really honestly did not expect this at all. I, I honestly did not. And here's the thing about um, taking risks and leaving your job and, and all of that, right? Because I've had these discussions with some entrepreneurs as well. So they have this experience as well, is that once you actually take the, that leap into the deep end, start taking risks, putting yourself out there, people actually relate to that. And people want to support you. And because of that, you will, you will start to have all these new connections and new networks, and then suddenly new opportunities that that you would never have expected going into the whole thing, right? Because it was like, for some of these opportunities, it wasn't like I already knew of them before I, I left my job, right? Before I left my job, I was just 100% focused on making sure that Screwed Up Moments launched and, it and, and the execution of that launch was great. And then ongoing, and then moving forward on a week-to-week -week basis, we would have like proper episodes uh, constantly going out, you know? 
Yeah, but then it was just like, I would go to events, you know, I would meet new people, I would tell, I would tell my story, we would share our experiences, and then they would be like, oh, hey, I'm really, I'm really happy for you and what, and what you're going to do. You know, I know these people who might, I, I know, I know some people who might be able to help you. Would you be interested in meeting them? And then it's just from there, and then you go to meet another, another person, and then from there, and then, and then there, and there, and there. And it's just, <laughs> it's just crazy, you know, because it's like, it, it almost feels like, I think when you have a lot of these opportunities, a lot of these uh, connections happening again and again and again, it almost feels like fate or it's meant to be at times. But I think it's more of like when you put yourself out there and you do something and, and you show that you are committed to doing something that you really love or that you're passionate about, people get behind that and they want to support you, like genuinely support you. And then so they will link you up with other people. They will teach. They will teach you different things. And then, and then, yeah, it's instead of me just dozing around at home, um, <laughs> you know, watching Netflix or just playing video games all day. Um, I've just been busy going to meetings, meeting new people, having you know, doing some more interviews. Uh, working on another uh, podcast that I'm, that I'm going I'm, that I'm doing with Happiness Initiative as well, and then trying to kickstart more projects and trying to onboard onboard new clients, and it's just been mad. I'm telling you, it's just been absolutely crazy uh, this one month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. I guess that's um, that's my story. That's that's my leap. Um, all right, so if there was a takeaway to all of this, right, to my story, it is just, it is this, okay? Throughout my journey, uh, from working at a corporate job to realizing that I really didn't like my corporate job and then to finally leaving my corporate job to do something that I'm passionate about. And, and, and to be fair, although, that, although this is just really just the beginning and I can't say truly whether this will be successful, successful or not, who knows, because maybe a few months down the line, I might just... Uh, and I'm doing something else, right? Who knows, right? But, but for now, what I can say is this, that for people who are stuck in your corporate jobs, who feel stuck, I should say, and who feel like they don't know what to do or they don't think that they're able to leave to do something that interests them, you can do it. Because really, the thing that's stopping you is just that fear of leaving your comfort zone, Right? Because the reality is that if you want to go out and pursue something that you're really interested or passionate about, you want to go there and you want to really make change or, or, or do something uh, uh, for yourself, leave that, you know, create a legacy or something, right? You can do it, you know? Really, there's nothing stopping you. The only thing that's stopping you is yourself. Because truthfully, right, I think when people say that doing things that you're passionate about is a waste of time, it will not make you any money, I think that's a lie. At least, you know, that is not the whole truth. Because although I would say that maybe there are some things that, you know, really you, you shouldn't be considering doing or that it's really going to be impossible to, to make a living out of, uh, for most things, I would say that you can actually do it. Because, okay, so, so to bring in a little bit of economics into it, right? And maybe a little bit of a, of, of a I don't want to call it a business lesson, but maybe a little bit of a, of a sort of simplification of the world, Right. In terms of trying to make money, realistically, how economics or how business works is that in order to make money out of what you do, right, 
you have to provide value. That is why people are willing to pay you money for it, even if it's a salary or if it's for a service you do or if it's for a product you create, because you are creating value for people, right? So for instance, like um, the reason why I purchase, say, a microphone is because it provides me the value that I need because I wouldn't be able to record podcasts otherwise, right? Or the reason why I purchase a laptop is because a laptop is valuable to me. I can do all this work. I can get all these work done. I can edit my my shows. I can I can do all this. I can do all that. That is why I'm willing to pay a lot of money for a laptop, right? And so in terms of doing what you love, trying to make a living out of what you love, realistically, what you really need to do is just try to figure out a way to create value for other people through doing what you love, okay? This is simplistically, I would say, the easiest way or, or the most basic way of looking at it. When it, actually, when, when it comes down to actually figuring out, figuring out how you're going to go about creating that value, that is the difficult part. But on an overview, that is just what you have to do. So be it if you're passionate about, I don't know, reading or doing YouTube or podcasting or whatever, the thing that you have to that you have to sort of focus on or that you sort of have to figure out is how you are going to be creating value, right? How are you going to be creating something that people want to pay money for? That is the thing that you have to figure out. And once you have figured that out, and then once you sort of have, uh, once you start providing value and people see the value in that, they start to be willing to pay money for it. And then, then you can transition and then you can start to pursue that and, and, and then you can have like a, a really fulfilling and meaningful career, something that you're happy doing instead of being stuck in your day job. That's, that's my biggest takeaway, yeah, is that there is a way out. You don't have to be stuck doing something you don't like for the next 20, 30, 40 years, whatever. But you have to be willing to put in hours to actually figure out what it is that you're going to be doing in terms of providing value, in terms of like... Um, that transition period, and in terms of like actually being consistent and being reliable and actually executing that well. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway out of this. And I don't know what else to say, man. Moving forward, um, I'm going to be trying to work on onboarding more shows with Fable Productions. I am going to be moving to the States to be with, to be with my wife, Effie. We are actually going to be uh, doing a show together so that's going to be pretty exciting so you can you guys can look out for that and then if you want to keep up to date with on on uh, the other shows that i'm going to be doing you can follow me uh, on on fable productions we have a facebook and instagram now and then you can follow the shows uh that that come out from there as well yeah um i don't know i guess i, I guess finally all i have to say is that this has really been a crazy crazy experience um i know that the road is still long the really the journey has just begun for me but even the path leading up to this new beginning has just been insane in terms of things that i've gone through the people that i've met the stories that i've heard the stories that i've helped to share and then really finally leaving audit right something that i wasn't really happy or passionate about to do something that aligns with what, what I truly believe in, which is like spreading podcasting, you know, growing the podcasting scene in Singapore or like sharing stories, you know, trying to bring stories to, to, to light. It, yeah, it's just been truly a truly mind-blowing experience. 
yeah, and I guess, and I guess that's about it. In terms of the economic rice, I <laughs> all right. So in terms of the economic rice podcast, I know I know I've been saying this a few. Uh, I know I've been saying this a number of times now. But I promise, I promise, I will try to get at least a couple of episodes out before the end of the year. Yeah. So I I I have some episodes that I've just just delayed from uh, that that are sort of half done. I, like I got the recordings out, but I haven't really mixed and 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 written the scripts out or done a narration for. That I can work on those、uh, for the remainder of the year, so you guys can watch out for that. But other than that, screwed up moments is also ongoing. We've just released our fifth episode, so we're halfway throughout the first season. So we're going to be releasing up until the first week of December. So you can, so if you haven't subscribed or you haven't listened to that, please check that out. The screwed up moments podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. And so yeah, that's been my story with taking the leap.、Um, Yeah, this hasn't really been too bad. I know there's a bunch of like ums and ahs and out there. I'll try to edit that out for as much as possible. I'm not guaranteeing that this is going to be the perfect, ep- the most perfectly sounding episode of all time. But in terms of me telling my story, this is about as authentic as I can be.、Um, it is not. It is definitely not the most structured. I definitely do go off on like a lot of tangents because there's a lot of different moving parts here and there. It's a little bit messy, so please forgive me for that. But yeah, that's my story,、um, and I guess with that brings the end to today's <laughs> episode. If you have any thoughts, if you have any messages that you like to send, you know,、um, if you if if you have a podcast idea that you want me to to help you with, please send me a message, be it through Facebook, Instagram, or you can even send me an email on、uh, dcordy at gmail dot com. Just just get in touch, basically, yeah. So yeah, this has been Danny for the Economic Arise podcast. We're over here. We don't upload for months at a time, and then go on to drop a a full hour of unscripted, <laughs> unscripted audio. Thanks for listening.